Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back, everyone. You know, in the months that we were gone, in the weeks, House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. And it is with those words that the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, stated, we will have an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. It is a busy uh, day. Oil prices are on the rise. We're going to talk to Dr. Matt Will about that. I spoke with both Senator Todd Young and Congressman Greg Pence about this $6 billion to Iran. I don't think people understand how ugly this is and how dangerous of a precedent this sets, and certainly when it comes to impeachment inquiry, there is uh, across the board unanimity that this is different than impeachment and let facts be heard. Now, I want to share this with you. This happened mo- maybe maybe 20 minutes ago, maybe 20 minutes ago. This was uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. You just heard the start of it there. There in the House of Representatives announcing uh, this impeachment inquiry. Now, remember, this is not impeachment. Impeachment is in the House of Representatives. That is the vote to hold the president on trial or put the president on trial. The trial would take place in the Senate. The Senate would then vote on removal. While Donald Trump was twice impeached, he was never removed. The removal, that hasn't happened. The, the House can impeach, the Senate holds the trial, and then votes to remove. This is only an inquiry into whether or not an, a vote on impeachment is necessary. Listen. Now, here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the president joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his son's business partners. Now you understand he's talking about Devin Archer there and that testimony that was given behind closed doors where people like Congressman Ron Goldman or Dan Goldman, I should say, lied through his teeth about, oh, no, 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 Joe Biden was only selling the, wasn't uh, providing access. No, Hunter Biden was only selling the illusion of access. No, 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 no. That Goldman says it doesn't make it true. He tried to spin the whole thing. It was his words, uh, the words illusion of access. This was access. And everyone who is anyone, no matter where they are, From Main Street to Wall Street, no matter their socioeconomic situation, no matter the color of their skin, no matter who raised them, everyone understands, everyone understands that this was selling access. Everyone. 
We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shale companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. Finally, despite these serious allegations, it appears that the president's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration, treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the president. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the President would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. This effort will be led by Chairman James Comer at the Committee on Oversight in coordination with Chairman Jim Jordan for Judiciary Committee and Chairman Jason Smith on Ways and Means. Now, I do not make this decision lightly. And regardless of your party or who you voted for, these facts should concern all Americans. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Now, I would encourage the President and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. And Thank so you. you should. Go where the evidence takes you. Absolutely. Just make sure you're sharing with us the evidence. Let America see. Always remember that impeachment is not a legal proceeding. Impeachment is a political proceeding. That's what impeachment is. It's political. And if you wonder where Republicans learned to be so political, maybe it was the two impeachments that took place just a few years ago. And they never had the paper trail nor the data that we have on the Biden crime family. Oil prices are going up. I hope you're ready for a very cold winter. This is Tony Katz today. Congressman Rose, what's your take? 
No one makes decisions in this business just in a willy-nilly way. They're looking at the data. And what they're seeing is that there is tremendous support and strength around the Biden administration's accomplishments, around the way in which they've saved the economy, around the way in which they've fought inflation, around the way in which they've achieved unprecedented job growth. Save the economy, kept down inflation, job growth. That's a former Democratic representative, uh, Max Rose, on MSNBC. I'm right now looking at oilprice.com. That's the site I use to see where oil prices are. West Texas Intermediate crude is at $89 and a penny a barrel. Brent crude is at $92.11. And we were warning last week about the increase in oil prices because we were paying attention. And now Wall Street is curious about what's going on with oil prices. Yet Democrats will still tell you, thank goodness for Joe Biden for saving this economy. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, The numbers uh, don't lie. The oil uh, prices are going up. We've already seen that uh, OPEC said that it would continue keeping the output low, and the United States is not interested in any kind of... uh, investment into energy tell me how uh former congressman max rose is correct about biden saving this economy well tony you said the numbers don't lie but let me tell you the biden administration does lie i'm saying it i'm going to be blunt about it because john kirby spokesperson for the white house two days ago said quote biden is focused on making sure that prices come down for the american consumer quote Cringe Jean-Pierre said the same day, she said, this administration is doing everything in its power to lower the price of gas. Tony, it's a lie. It's a lie, and here's why. This week, this week, Biden canceled oil leases in Alaska. He canceled them. He made a decision to reduce 200,000 barrels per day. Gone. You can't tell me that he's trying to reduce oil prices when he eliminates 200,000 barrels per day, Tony, in one day. And every estimate right now is that the global economy is about 3 million barrels short per day. Our president is 10% of the problem. That's the problem, Tony. It's an outright lie to say that he's trying to get oil prices down because he's not. The increase that we're seeing in prices, uh, the West Texas Intermediate and the Brent crude, does that come from the Biden decision or is there another pressure out there? No, Tony, there's many pressures out there, but the Biden administration is part of it. The fact that we're not exploring, that's one. The fact we're canceling leases, that's two. The fact that the global economy is slowing down, that's three. Why is it slowing down? In part because of the decisions of this administration. There's lots of factors, Tony, that goes into this. But the Biden administration policies are the big part of the problem. Oh, and we didn't even get into what's happening with Iran and and the oil supply there and the $6 billion we're giving them. Well, I'm going to be talking a lot about the $6 billion that has been unfrozen. Not given a check is not written. It is money unfrozen. It is a distinction with a difference. It doesn't make it good in either case. Talking to uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Of course, they continue this conversation from the White House about the creation of, of, of jobs. But we have been paying very close attention to what it is the retailers are telling us.
uh, regarding the holiday season. And we're doing this on a day where Apple is going to be announcing all the new products. Is Apple's announcement in in any way shaped by the fact that people are going to be making much more potentially conservative decisions for this holiday season? There aren't going to be as many gifts. We're already questioning supply chain issues or does apple uh have have a feeling that people will be long and bullish on their products uh to the chagrin of everybody else no apple is doing what every retailer does every year tony you know you can go back and look at my commentary for the last 20 years every retailer tries to get you excited they want you to buy their product big announcement today retail sales are going to be through the roof this holiday season it's going to be the best christmas on record Tony, they say that every year, and every year the results are different than what they claim. They're trying to hype up their sales, but the reality is that right now inventories are down, back orders are down. You look at the PMI numbers that came out just uh, last week, and the holiday season is already in contraction mode. Manufacturing is seeing its first decline globally that we've seen in 20 years. So there is definitely news that this may not be the robust holiday that Apple wants. Now, a lot of this has a, a, a pretty big world of play. Um, and, and we've already know, we've already seen that there is recession in, in Europe and there is slowdown around the globe and specifically um, slowdown for, for China in, in a lot of their maneuvers. And, of course, the real estate market starting to go bust. Uh, the, the moves on, on oil here and the higher prices on oil here, um, it's one thing that we discuss how uh, the White House says one thing but does something completely 180 degrees uh, opposite. Talk to me about what it does for as we head into winter and you're somebody who needs heating oil, what levels of concern, what, le- what, what kind of uh, precautions does one take now or are these people just going to deal with outrageous costs? Are these things connected? Well, first of all, Tony, everybody should go out and buy very heavy blankets in case it gets cold this winter, because the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is at a 40-year low. Biden has drained, Tony, drained 180 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which serves two purposes. People need to understand. Purpose one is national defense. In case we need to tap into oil, in case of a war, we have it. And the second thing is in case of national emergency. What if we have a cold winter? What if we need more oil, Tony? The Strategic Petroleum Reserve may not be there to serve what it's designed to serve, and he wants to tap into it again. Saturday, Tony, he said it at the G20. Again, he said, maybe we'll tap into more of it. Tony, it's at a 40-year low. There's probably nothing left in the barrel. Uh, we we see this, and, and certainly we wonder how in the world it is going to get uh, to get paid for um, it once we have to uh, return it. At what cost uh, will will it take uh, to to pay for that? But we've also got something else looming, and uh, the reason that I bring it up because it has more than an effect on the United Auto Workers. This potential strike with the big three for General Motors and Stellantis. You've heard uh, recently that there might be some movement on the Stellantis side, which is weird because that's who the UAW head, uh, Sean Fain, has been directing most of of his ire. But a, a strike from the big three 
means that those who provide product to the big three aren't able to sell their product either. So a UAW strike affects more than just Ford and and GM, General Motors, and and Stellantis. Is there a concern that a, a protracted strike could lead to real issues in multiple sectors? It will, Tony, because you got to remember, the auto industry is so large, there's a ripple effect. The auto industry buys, uh, they buy light bulbs. The light bulbs buys tungsten. Tungsten, you know, there's aluminum that goes into this and steel. And everything supports the auto industry. This is a massive industry. You know, there used to be a phrase, as goes GM, so goes the country. I think that's still true to a degree. But that adds to another problem, Tony. Exports, you mentioned this earlier, the global economy. China is down 8.8% in exports. So we have a shrinking manufacturing base in the world, and we're going to have an auto strike. This is not a good formula for the holiday season. Uh, in your uh, in, in this conversation, um, one of the things, or in our conversations, I should say, we often discuss uh, the actions taken by the administration that go against the opportunities for the nation. Well, one of those things, when we talk about, for example, the, the, the leases, the drilling, um, uh, things like that, is that allegedly they have found here in the United States the world's largest lithium reservoir along the Nevada-Oregon border could be worth a trillion and a half dollars where lithium makes the is what's used to make the batteries for all the electric vehicles, this, that, and 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 the other. When you heard about this, um, this uh, McDermott caldera, as it's called, formed sixty million years ago, has about forty million metric tons of of lithium. Are you concerned that the administration won't look into it, won't allow any excavation or mining of it because it might hurt the environment? Tony, am I concerned that this administration is against capitalism? Am I concerned that this administration will try to block anything that advances capitalism and the high quality of living that we have in this country? No, Tony, I'm not at all concerned. I think they're going to do everything in their power to increase capitalism, wealth, and the standard of living in this country. What do you think? Man, I think you're, I think you're, uh, you're being sarcastic. That's what I think is happening right here. <laughs> I mean, it's just you see this thing there and you realize what this is for the people who love electric this, that, and the other. This, I mean, it's a massive area. And then you wonder, well, how could they allow the drilling? Uh, the, the environmentalists will want no part of this. I mean, this is going to be a very confounding moment in, in American politics. Um, if this is real, how good is this for America's future in 30 seconds or less? Tony, it's great for the American economy. It's great for the future of the United States. But I got to end on a note that these eco terrorists that are running the White House don't care about the environment. They care about stopping capitalism, and that's really at the core of their their agenda. That right there is Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Follow him on Twitter, Dr. Matt W I L L. Dr. Matt Will on Twitter X is where uh, to find him. Senator Todd Young spent some time with me regarding this $6 billion deal in a trade for uh, prisoners with Iran. And 
exactly what did President Biden mean when he talks about not wanting to contain China. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. You have the Biden administration giving $6 billion to Iran. Now understand they didn't write the check. What they did is allowed the money that has been frozen due to sanctions to be unfrozen as part of a prisoner swap deal. We get five Americans back, they get five Iranians back, and yet they get access to $6 billion that was frozen. Sanctions have worked in absolutely debilitating Iran. Sadly, they haven't worked to the point where the people rise up against the Ayatollah, the mullahs, the hardliners, and the clerics, although there have been opportunities, and I think opportunities squandered. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. But why is the Biden administration, almost as if it's a page out of the Obama administration, allowing $6 billion to change hands? Senator Todd Young joins us right now, Senator from Indiana, very, very focused on conversations of foreign policy and national security. Uh, They announced this on September 11th that $6 billion is going to go with these five prisoners in exchange for five U.S. prisoners. Are you okay with this deal, sir? You know I'm not, uh, Tony. This is uh, outrageous. This is ill-advised. This is counterproductive, meaning it will... It will not net-net lead to fewer Americans held. Uh, It will lead to far more in the future. Um, This is the wrong direction to go. Our country has had a longstanding no-concessions policy. Um, It has been one of the cardinal principles of our foreign policy in the modern era. We never provide ransom payments. And when we do, when presidents do, um, they're taken to the woodshed. President Obama, as you alluded to, released hundreds of millions of dollars, $400 million in liquidated assets to Iran in 2016. Uh, A number of us at that time warned that this dangerous precedent would put a price on American lives. This is exactly what has happened. More Americans have been snatched than otherwise would have been. And now the Biden administration proposes we, we, we spend... 15 times, 15 times what was spent in the Obama era to spring loose a handful of Americans. Tony, let me be really clear from the outset here. We need to do everything we can, everything responsibly that we can to exert leverage and to get those Americans free. But this is highly, grossly irresponsible. Um, We need to apply leverage on, on on, on our friendly countries, uh, to use their diplomats, to use their pressure campaigns to help us get these Americans free. We are the leading military and economic and diplomatic country in the world. And if we bring to all bear all our pressure and make this a diplomatic priority, we can accomplish our goal of getting Americans free, but not writing a big check to the mullahs. Uh, when they've been seizing oil tankers, la- launching missiles and drones uh, across the region and beyond, uh, threatening our service members, seizing U.S. hostages and and so many other malign 
activity. Let me, let me interrupt you there for a moment. We, we I have uh, addressed what uh, the Iran military has been doing and their offshoots in the Straits of Hormuz and going after oil tankers. Uh, and this, yeah. this is well noted. Uh, but I, be, before I, I move on, I want to ask a question. Is the issue that it's $6 billion? Is the issue that it was a billion dollars? Is there a dollar number that ever works? And if not... Is it okay to look at American families and say we're not going to make this trade? No, the the, the issue is is not the dollar figure. No amount of money is appropriate. We need to look at the family members and explain to them that we're doing every conceivable, responsible uh, uh, thing we can to to free their loved ones. But we what we cannot do is create a situation where additional families, additional Americans uh, are are being detained in the future on account of uh, grossly irresponsible policies, uh, writing big multi-billion dollar checks to the leading state sponsor of terror. There is a reason, Tony, that uh, this was announced in the wake of 9-11's anniversary. This is a public relations uh, setting aside the the monetary dimension of it, this is a public relations uh, breakthrough for the Islamic Republic of Iran. What they have done is they have broken our State Department uh, with this latest ransom deal, and um, it's going to be very dangerous uh, to so many Americans in the future. So uh, we do need to be screaming from the rooftops. Um, we we um, We need to disincentivize any future leader from doing this, and we need to make this hurt. We need to make this hurt um, uh, within the uh, administration so we don't see any more of this activity moving forward. Talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana, young.senate.gov. You sit on the uh, U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations. As we deal with other nations and they see a deal like this made, um, has there already been a response? It, do things become tougher, easier? What is it that you usually happens on, on foreign relations when a deal like this uh, happens? And did you get consulted at all? Was anybody in the Senate consulted before this deal was made? I can't speak to all of my colleagues, but uh, I'm not aware of any of my colleagues who were consulted before this deal was made. My hope uh is, and I will advocate for uh, public hearings in the wake of this to figure out uh, what what led to this deal, um, to determine uh, with whom the administration consulted and, and, in order to change longstanding policy and uh, abandon our no concessions uh, against terrorist regimes uh, policy. Um, and uh, the implications, as, as, I, as I talk to diplomats here in Washington, D.C., as I travel around the world and, and visit with leaders of government, is it screams weakness. You know, it, it's, it's just like uh, President Biden's recent statements in the Indo-Pacific about why he was there. Um, that, too, screams weakness. Uh, On one hand, I'll I'll commend the administration for going out and trying to build ties among other countries. But all of that gets undermined when you're writing checks to terrorist regimes and uh, when you are indicating that uh, you're not really 
trying to win this uh, global competition of values against uh, outlaw regimes like Iran, China, Russia, and Venezuela. Let me let me move it over to to a China conversation because while uh, Joe Biden was in in Vietnam. Uh, amongst some other very noteworthy uh, statements like uh, he's going to bed, he made the statement that he's not trying to contain China. He wants China to do uh, well, but he wants to be able to have a relationship. It was uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Fox News who referred to this as naive. Listen. Martha, that's just hopelessly naive and something out of decades gone by. Uh, the place that America finds itself is a direct result of Xi Jinping's behavior. This isn't a dislike for the Chinese people or a dislike for the Chinese government per se. It is Xi Jinping's aggression against America. Is it naive to say, or is it just something that gets said while you're in this diplomatic world and the actions uh, could be very, very different? Or should the United States position proactively and vocally be, we want to contain China? The latter. Uh, Our position should be, we want to contain China. We want to contain uh, their... uh, illegal behavior, and there's illegality occurring on a daily basis uh, uh, when, when they uh, steal our intellectual property, when they grab territory, uh, including entire seas like the South China Sea, rewriting international lines, turning that sea into a lake, thereby undermining our, our international shipping, when they intimidate their neighbors, including Uh, Taiwan, where so many of our semiconductors are currently made, when they conceal information during the early days of a global pandemic, consequences of of which, uh, we all know, led to millions upon millions of people's lives being disrupted and and, uh, loss of life. Um, I mean, the, the, the list of charges goes on and on and on. We want to contain that behavior. And, you know, it really misses the point to say we want, you know, happy, go lucky. We want everyone to be happy. We want to deepen our relationship with Vietnam, which is where the president uttered the we don't want to contain China comment. Um, The reason he's visiting these countries is obviously to contain China's worst behavior, to send a message, an unambiguous message that for to those who are undecided about which horse to back in the defining challenge of the 21st century, that America is here in the Indo-Pacific, we're here to stay, and we're going to defend our, our rules-based order, our rules of commerce. We're going to defend uh, the rules that indicate that responsible militaries have to talk to one another so there's not miscalculation. We're going to f- defend rules around use of nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. Yeah, these rules benefit the American people. They have for generations, and we're going to defend them against Xi Jinping and his slaveholder state. And and when he departs from that kind of a of, of muscular message, um, it, it it's a distraction, and it's confusing to people. Everyone knows we'll continue to trade at some level with China. I support that. It will be silly. It would be uh, certainly not in the interest of American people if we were to just raise a, a drawbridge and stop trading with the Chinese, uh, which is why trade actually increased during the Trump years, and it's increased since then. Um, but 
to, to get on that sort of line of messaging when you're visiting the Indo-Pacific um, is, is it's the same sort of indecision. It's the same sort of tone deaf messaging that we saw coming out of the administration uh, when they delayed shooting down the Chinese balloon. It's the same sort of indecision uh, that is demonstrated when the Chinese will not talk to your top leaders and you dispatch your secretary of treasury and then your secretary of, of commerce to China begging for meetings with top Chinese officials. We need to look strong. We need our president to look strong. He looks weak. He looks weak. Um, yeah, on, on, on television, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's not a cheap shot against, you know, an octogenarian. He looks weak on account of the things he says. I, because I people assume. I was um, going to say that those, I think the the the, the yeah. use of the word octogenarian might speak for itself, sir. Talking to Senator uh, Todd Young, mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I, I wanted to. I've got two other subjects before I, I let you go, and I, I don't mean to to interrupt. And one of them is is that uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has uh, suggested that he is now open to an impeachment inquiry. Now, this is not an impeachment, which would be in the House of Representatives, and if they were to vote to impeach, there would be a trial in the Senate to which you would once again sit for another trial. That would be three, I believe, uh, for, for you, sir, which is uh, a hat-trick uh, of, of impeachment trials. Um, is there a feel amongst Senate Republicans that an impeachment inquiry is worthy, or do you believe this is a waste of time that impacts negatively chances in 2024? There hasn't been a lot of chatter, believe it or not, in the midst of, of government shutdown conversations, uh, you know, this revelation about uh, ransom payments, uh, things we're dealing with on, on the China technology front, on and on about impeachment yet. But with that said, I, I, I think it's safe to say there are probably differing views on this. Here is my view. My view um, hasn't changed over the last few years. I warned in the first uh, impeachment of President Donald J. Trump that the manner in which it was conducted was impulsive, was devoid of the sort of, of process that one would expect for, some, for a step as serious as impeachment. And I said, when you do that, when you engage in what someone might call a, a snap impeachment process, whatever you strongly suspect might be uh, the appropriate outcome of that process, you're supposed to have process, sort of consistent with our, our, our legal tradition. And when you don't have process, you incentivize people in the future to have more impeachments. I warned that in impeachment number one against Trump. Within you know, a year or two, we, we had another impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Again, the process was abbreviated. It was only after the impeachment trial in the United States Senate that the House went back and engaged in, in a searching, probing, public process. People can be the judge of, of whatever came out of that. Here we are again, and there's talk about having an abbreviated process. I hope if they go down this road, um, it is very public. They let the facts, which are elicited, speak for themselves. And if there's nothing there in the end, fine. But, you know, it's the job of the House of Representatives to look into these sorts of things. There is, you know, there's a lot of smoke 
And I don't know if there's fire there. There's a lot of smoke. They need to look into these things. I would say they need to look into these things before they start talking about impeachment. That's my view. That's just part one of my conversation with Senator Todd Young. I've said the same thing about uh, impeachment. I don't know whether I'm freaked out that we agree or, or just proves that I'm right. Maybe, maybe, it is, maybe it is both. Let the inquiry do its job, and that job can be damning uh, enough for sure. I have got more coming up and get the entire interview with Senator Todd Young uh, over uh, at where you get the podcast. We will post the interview in full. This is Tony Katz today. Pesticides in produce. That's the actual headline. People really are not interested in you having any fun whatsoever. Just, just none. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find it all at TonyKatz.com. The top 12 dirtiest fruits and vegetables, which is why I eat steak. Strawberries are number one, followed by spinach, and then tied kale, collard, and mustard greens. Kale. It's a garnish at best. Peaches, pears, nectarines, which I get them all confused to me. They're all the same thing. Apples, what? Grapes. Bell and hot peppers, cherries, blueberries, and green beans. 90% of the strawberries, apples, cherries, spinach, nectarines, and grapes tested positive for residues of two or more pesticides. Can you can you wash these off? Is it, is it you can do that, right? I don't know. They don't want you to eat anything. But sweet potatoes are okay. I don't know. That's part of the clean 15. You've got the dirty dozen and the clean 15. I don't know if I believe in science that was put together because it had good name ID, Dirty Dozen and Clean 15. This is Tony Katz today.